Okay, we're going to get started here in the photography class. Are you guys excited about taking better pictures? Yeah, let's do it. So this is going to be a class that is particularly focused on taking pictures of flowers. But that being said, all of the principles that are being shared will be across the board. So if you're here just for photography period, I think you'll get, hopefully you'll get a fair bit out of it too. So I'm Nick Connect. I'm this cool flower farmer's husband. And she could literally be teaching this class just as well as I could because I think any picture that she wasn't in are pictures that she's taken. And uh, she's just as much a photographer as I am, but giving her voice a break. So here's our overview. Here's what we're going to talk about. Why photography? Why is that important? Why is that particularly important in the flower realm? Um, some equipment considerations. We're going to look at composition, lighting, editing, and sharing. So we're going to just scratch the surface on a few things here. And then we'll have a question and answer time at the end. So any questions you have, write them down and we can try to, try to answer them. So first, why? Is photography really worth it? It can be an expensive hobby at sometimes, as you'll see in the next section about equipment. Um, but as Kirsten may have mentioned already, particularly in flowers, you're dealing with a subject, with a, with a business that is all about visual aesthetics. You're not going to eat this stuff, likely, unless it's like, yeah, or hibiscus blooms or something. I don't know. I don't know if you eat those. That's just what came to mind. Um, you're generally looking at them. It's all about it looking good. And so you've got to be able to communicate that good lookingness of your flowers somehow. Um, yeah, so, so visual beauty is crucial for sale of flowers. And they, uh, photography can help to bring the beauty of real life to others. And oftentimes what you're trying to do and what can be frustrating is when you take your picture and it doesn't look as good as it did in, in real life. So taking better pictures is just trying to more accurately communicate that real life beauty you know, through this, this medium. Um, a camera is uh, kind of like a save button for the mind's eye, which is kind of cool. You hit save and it's that moment stopped in time forever that you can go back to, brings back those emotions. Um, it's been once said, uh, photography is the only language that can be understood anywhere in the world. So that's kind of cool. You've got a reach that goes beyond English or Spanish or whatever your language might be. It's truly universal creates an emotional attachment. You talk to a marketer who their whole business is about this, you know, just creating things in such a way where you have an emotional attachment to it. And that's kind of what you're creating. You want to create because you have a business. Um, and one little tip for taking pictures and particularly of flowers is people like people. And not that every picture needs to be like this, but what I've experienced in the couple of social media accounts that I manage, across the board generally, they get more likes, they get more interest when there's a person in there. People like to see not just the flowers, but at least knowing, even if it's a hand or part of you, part of somebody, that there's, there's people there because people relate to people. Um, and also, as Kirsten mentioned, this is just kind of um, a, a testament to the importance of photography in a flower business. You probably all, many of you, if you haven't before, you've heard about today, Erin um, Benzikane and her business, Florette Flowers. 
Um, she's an introverted person, naturally, going to a florist's door and trying to do a cold sale was the absolute last thing that she wanted to do. So she did it once, it was an utter failure, and she never did it again. So the way that she approached selling her flowers, and this is a very viable way for you to consider approaching it too, perhaps, is when you don't have the equipment, if you're not sure how to take really, really good pictures right now, she hired somebody. She hired a professional photographer, I think the best one like in her city or county or she went she went like all out and hired a professional photographer to come and take high quality pictures of her and her flowers for an afternoon and she started loading her website with these pictures she started sharing them when she would email her potential clients like hey here's what flowers i have she'd include these pictures and within some short amount of time she had landed like so many flower sales with florists with whole foods and it was just oh, we just loved your pictures and we just want your flowers in our business and it just it sold her and her business is what she is um, is what it is because of photography and because of professional photography since then she's gone on to teach herself she and her husband do all of the photography pretty much for themselves and and yeah it's it's huge so let's get into some of the nitty-gritties equipment um, I found this quote online, photography is not about selecting buttons and switches on a highly sophisticated piece of electronic and optical equipment. Photography is about light, and that's really the bottom line of it. So equipment, you can actually, equipment is not the most important thing. It's really about learning how to use the light that's around you. Um, so because of that, I've kind of put together three um, camera kit options that you could consider. Now, well, let's just go through them and then I'll give my disclaimer. So here's the basic one. A basic kit might include something like an iPhone 7 or 8 Plus and an, or an iPhone 10. And the reason I specify these three phones is because these are the three phones that have a dual camera system. Like you see, see how that camera has two lenses in there? I'll get to that in a minute, but that's that's, that can actually be pretty important to the kind of pictures you can get with an iPhone. Um, I'm throwing in a mini reflector or a little reflector in here just because it can be really handy. Um, and a little tripod for you to be able to set your phone on in case you need to get pictures of yourself or whatever. Um, so this kit could, depending upon whether you get a used maybe iPhone 7 Plus, which you could get for like $450 online these days, to you know a brand new iPhone 10, you're looking at between $500 and $1,000. The nice thing about this though is that you already need a phone, so you know this can be an expense that can be shared across a couple different categories. Intermediate. So I just chose a Canon T6 or similar. I've chosen Canon, you can get excellent results with Nikon, Sony, Panasonic, but I know Canon, and so if you wanna do a different brands, that's totally fine, and just find something equivalent. A 50 millimeter 1.8 lens, we'll talk about that in a minute. Another, again, a reflector and a basic tripod. And then here's an advanced camera kit option. This would be something like a, a mid-level Canon body, like the 80D, or you can save a little and get a used 70D. Um, upgraded the lens for this package. It's a 50 millimeter 1.4 and again a reflector and an intermediate tripod that's a little more stable. And So anyway, so you can see some pricing here that getting into even that intermediate camera category for roughly five or six hundred dollars 
you actually are going to be getting some pretty awesome pictures even with that kind of investment. So just break it down here a little bit. Here's the basic camera kit, phone like that, between 450 and 1,000. Little tripod. You've seen these gorilla pods before that um, they're kind of small. You can like wrap them around a tree branch. They're just handy to have if you, and they're cheap. So I threw it in there, a reflector. So here's the pros of going with a system like this. It's quick and easy. And by that, I mean, it's very quick and easy to just take pretty good pictures just like that. Um, this maybe is getting a little technical a little quickly, but I have found from my experience of working with both that just out of the box, there's something I want to take a picture of. I pull out a camera, I take it. That the iPhone off the bat has better dynamic range, which is like more lights and more darks. You can see out the window and inside the house all at the same time. Um, and colors out of the box. Like just taking a picture simply, it just looks pretty good actually. Um, and it's always with you. And that's one of the huge pros of having a phone like that is that the camera's always with you. And the best camera, they say, is the one you have with you. Because if you don't have a camera with you, then there's no pictures happening. There are some cons, though, that you need to consider. And one of them is portrait mode limitations. And I will show you an example of what portrait mode means in just a minute. But there are some limitations that you need to just know about going into it. Overall image quality, you're really not going to get higher than like 12 megapixels on an iPhone. So as far as like high resolution, blowing them up really big, that's going to be plenty for like a nice poster size, but it's just not huge. You're not going to be able to crop it as much as you might with a bigger camera or something. Okay, so here's, here's an example. So this is, this is Kirsten. This is down in South America a few months ago. And this is just a... Um, a standard picture you might get with, a, with an iPhone that's not one of those dual camera lenses. And you can see here in the picture, there's a lot going on. There's, there's a lot of detail. You can see the detail in the tree up behind her just as much as you can see where I'm really wanting you to look at her and the flower. And this big one in front is also kind of, you know, you're not sure if you're supposed to look there too. So the reason I mentioned those three iPhones particularly is because they have this thing called portrait mode. And when you enable portrait mode on the phone, it makes the picture look like that. And it, it's really quite incredible technologically because they're on software making it feel like you have like a nice professional lens on your iPhone. So all of a sudden you can see the comparison. The tree in the background above her is like blurred out now. Uh, and this flower is out of focus and it just really draws your eye right to the subject, which is her smelling the flower, which you're kind of that's what I was wanting you to look at. But there are some limitations because it's, it's software. It's not totally real. It's not perfect. And just by zooming up here, sorry for zooming up on your profile like that, sweetie, but I still think it's adorable. If you look right between her face and the flower, you see it's, it kind of missed a spot. It's still clear. It's not blurred. You'd never have that if you're using a real camera and a real lens. Um, and also, if you notice this big flower, blurry one on the left, up at the top, it's nice and smooth. That's how it should look. But at the bottom edge, when it's kind of right there between sharp and blurry, it's kind of a harsh line. These are things that, as a more advanced photographer, they can kind of bug me sometimes. But honestly, if you're posting on social media primarily, nobody's going to see this. And it's really not going to be that big of a deal. But 
can't say I didn't tell you. So now we're going to jump up to the intermediate camera kit. Here's how it breaks down. Um, this Canon T6 with a, a kit lens, which is an 18 to 55 millimeter lens, um, it's pretty economical actually. I was surprised at just $400, and this is all brand new pricing. Um, this lens, the next one, the 50 millimeter 1.8, they call it the Nifty 50. This is a crucial component, I think, to you taking good flower pictures, no matter what camera you have. It's a $125 lens, which is like nothing in the world of lenses. And I'll show you a couple sample pictures, but just like we were back here and you have this kind of like blurring effect and really drawing your eye to this, this subject, that lens is gonna do that a hundred times better than the standard 18 to 55 lens that comes with it. And I won't go into the detail of why exactly, but trust me, it just does. It looks so much better. So that's, that's a crucial component. And you know, Nikon makes those no matter what camera you have, the 50 millimeter 1.8 is about the cheapest, best lens you can get out there for the money. So $565 for that rough kit. Here's some pros. So you're gonna get very good image quality with this, with this kit. You're gonna improve your depth of field, which is that effect where the background is out of focus, the foreground is out of focus, and it's just focused right on the subject. And you have infinite options to upgrade your lenses. You're buying that camera with an, in, it's an interchangeable lens camera. So down the road, if you wanna get a better lens, if you wanna go more into photography, you can buy a new lens, you can sell your old lens, you can keep your old lens for that matter, and just really upgrade and upgrade. There are some cons though, and this is particularly cons versus the iPhone photography. Post-production and editing generally requires more time and effort. You've gotta take that card out of the camera, put it in the computer, have a piece of software to, to process it, you gotta edit it, you gotta send it back to your phone if you wanna to go to Instagram, and it's just, it takes a while. Russ, if you're got a knife, you've got an iPhone, you're in the garden, oh wow, take a picture, post, and you're back to farming. So that's kind of cool. Um, and it's a little bit, even though it's a better camera, the build quality to get to these lower prices is gonna be a little cheaper. The lens, the camera is gonna feel a little bit more plasticky, um, especially the lens, but the end result is you're getting good pictures. So a couple of pictures I found online of people using this exact setup. You can see there's some blurring happening back there. It's, you're gonna get good pictures with a setup like this. Nice out of focus background. This is particularly with that nifty 50 lens. And then for the advanced photographer, maybe something like a, a 80D body, $1,100. Um, and then upgrading to a really nice lens, uh, a 50 millimeter 1.4, almost as much as the camera. Now I would say, if you have a budget that only is like, say $1,500, I would still go buy the last camera from the, the cheap camera and buy this lens or something like that. Really, you're gonna get so much better quality by putting money into a lens than putting money into a camera. So. The pros of this, you're gonna get professional image quality. You'll have the potential to get professional image quality. Exceptional depth of field, if that's what you're after. Again, infinite lens upgradability. There are some cons. Price, probably being number one. Weight, it's heavier. You might need to be a little more careful with it. You've got a lot of money you're hanging around there. And you could be, could have to deal with some pride. You've got a pretty nice setup at this point. 
So here are a few pictures that we've taken with a similar setup to the last, the, the advanced camera. Because that's my work, we kind of have this equipment lying around, so to speak. Um, so it just reproduces colors very nicely. All the pictures you saw in Kirsten's um, presentation were pretty much taken with that last setup. You see the background is just gone in that picture. You don't even know what's back there. I could have been standing back there for that matter. But it's gone. So where, where do I recommend you buy these things? Um, one site that I use almost exclusively for electronic kind of equipment is a site called bnhphoto.com. I'm sorry, it's bhphotovideo.com, but this company is BNH Photo. They're Jewish, they're based only in New York, so they have no sales tax if you buy anywhere other than there, and free shipping on everything. And unlike Amazon, Amazon can also be a good place, but there's a lot of fake stuff on Amazon these days. So it can be a little bit sketchy. You know if you're buying it from B&H, it's the real thing. Uh, they have a good return policy too. They also have a used department, uh, which I would encourage if you want to save a little bit of money, um, usually can save about 15% or more if you buy um, if you buy it used on B&H. You can still return it and everything. Craigslist is probably the next best used option. I like buying used stuff, especially when it's just personal because you can get the same quality for less money. Um, but you have to know what you're going into. There can be some pitfalls for trying to buy stuff used. And I would have, unless you're really savvy about eBay, I would avoid eBay. It's just hard. If you get a lemon, it can just be a hassle. Okay, that's equipment. Now onto some composition basics. You want to draw the viewer into your photo. How many of you are familiar with the name Ansel Adams? You heard of him? Probably one of the most famous photographers out there. He said the single most important component of a camera is the 12 inches behind it. You can see what 12 inches that's talking about. You know, everything back here, it's, it's the operator of the camera. So here's some tips to improve the operator of the camera side of things. One, fill the frame. Rule of thirds. Watch the background. Create depth and lead in lines and shapes. Watch for those. So here's some examples of those. So I've got a picture of Glesney Mason, Kirsten's friend here. And so when it comes time to, when it comes time to fill the frame, your subject is, in, we're going to say for this example, we really want to focus on the flowers. So if you have a picture like this, maybe go a little closer. Let those flowers just really fill the image. And by cropping it in like that, you kind of really bring the attention to the flowers. And I see a lot of pictures like this where you know there's a person back there, but they cut off the eyes. And I don't, in my mind, I'm kind of reasoning, maybe eyes can be distracting. And if you want the focus really to be on the flowers, you still have the smile, you know she's happy, but you're not trying to figure out if you know her. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just right there on the flowers. That's, my, that's the Nick definition of why they do that. Um, the rule of thirds. Have you heard about this before? You imagine dividing your, your camera screen into thirds, vertically and horizontally. And the points at which these hairs cross is, in general, good places to put the subject of your photo. So you see, and it's not like it has to be perfect, but you've got this photo here. The flower is kind of there in that bottom right corner of, of this picture. 
Um, and depending upon the picture, any of those other corners could be good places too. Uh, if you were taking a picture of a person, let me go to this next photo. I found this stock online somewhere. Uh, we took this actually, if it's not obvious. If you want to have people in there, it's a good idea to put their eyes at that top third. You don't want to, unless you're just being super duper creative for a reason, that top third line is generally always a good rule of thumb to put eyes, to put faces of people. And again, you kind of see we're there on that right side. Of, uh, so we're kind of on this line and our heads are right up there. That's an example of the rule of thirds, so something to keep in mind. Um, number three, watch the backgrounds. The backgrounds in this photo, for example, um, can be kind of busy. You've got you know, roofs and barns and hoses down there in the foregrounds. So if, if I was going to retake this photo, I might, instead of standing on this side of those girls walking down, I might go over to where those flowers are, depending upon what's over here, of course. But let's just imagine I walked over there and the background was like that. It's just more kind of plain. You don't want to, if you want the focus to be on the flowers or whatever you're taking pictures of, you don't want the background to be distracting from it. So if there's a lot of stuff, if it's busy, try to look for a place that's not so busy. Here's another example of a good, um, they got, they've got a nice clean background. The focus is just right on those flowers and that's where the eye is naturally drawn. Four, you want to create some depth. And one of the best ways to do this is to put some objects into the foregrounds. So in this picture, for example, this is not like the best example by any means, but we've got a, you've got a frond of these foxglove. Yes. Over here on the right. And so you kind of, you know there's something close to you and, and the, the beds of flowers kind of go out to the back and you just kind of create some depth. Here's another example. They, they purposefully placed the camera. They could have just stood up and taken a picture straight on of, of her, but they got a little bit lower and you've got some blurred out flowers down here. You've got some, some little parts of the plant coming up here and getting into the frame. Just kind of creates that sense of, sense of three dimensions. And fifth, look for lead-in lines and shapes. And this, you probably are not going to have a farm that looks like this, but this is just a, an example. You've got beds in your garden. You know, use that to your advantage. When you have you know, these lines leading to a central point in the picture, that, it's kind of your eyes drawn there, and then like, you know, wow, they got that tree right up there. And your eye just, just goes right there because of those lines. So look for those around, around your place. All right, we're moving a little quickly here. Um, we've got some lighting principles to think about, and this is really an important area. The ultimate goal in lighting is to make your subject look stunning, look those, make those flowers look beautiful, have lots of depth, dimension, and life. You don't want them to look flat, and you don't want to let the background steal the show, and this actually has something to do with lighting, too. So you're not in a studio, you're, you're outside, you want to learn how to use the sunlight to your advantage. So here's just a little homemade chart that I came up with. And let's imagine that that's not the sun right overhead. The green circle is the flowers. And let's say it's early morning and the sun is just coming up over the horizon there. You're kind of looking from a bird's eye view. So let's say you've got a bouquet of flowers here you want to take pictures of. 
Definitely the place you don't want to be is in between the sun and your subject. That's just going to make it look flat. There's not going to be any shadows really, and it's just going to be pretty much unattractive. So step somewhere over here where I have these you know, red dashed lines. Um, anywhere from, you know, I don't know what that is, maybe a little more than 45 degrees all the way around to the back. And you all of a sudden start to get a lot more dimension in your photo. And I'll show you in just a second. So this is not a flower, but this is a person. This is just uh, an example. So this is, this is if you were standing in between the sun and the person. It's just totally flat. This is what it would look like if you just used flash. And there's generally a reason not to use flash in this way, just because it just doesn't look flattering. So it has a bit of a flat, lifeless look. But, so now we're going to move the light instead of right in front of him over to the side. And all of a sudden, because he's in such a black room, you can't even see the other side of him. But there's a lot more dimension. There's a lot more drama to this picture just because you've got, you, know, you can see different textures and shapes of his face. And then if you move the light around to the back, that can create an interesting effect too that's even more dramatic if that's what you're going for. Um, and again, you're not going to be shooting flowers in a totally dark studio like that. So putting the sun behind your flowers, which is something I like to do quite a lot, when you're out in the real world, can look more like this. You've got the sun kind of glowing right there behind. And because flowers are a bit of a transparent kind of, they're not really transparent, but they're not totally opaque either. The sun can kind of make them glow and come through them and really make them look attractive. Here's a couple other examples of light coming from behind your subject. It's kind of just illuminating like the top of Kirsten's hair, along her shoulder, and then right behind this flower on the right, it's just kind of glowing all through it. Here's an example of lighting coming from the side. And I, I really, this is one of my favorite pictures she's taken. And I'm not sure if it's because of the toes or the flowers. But you can see the right side of her toe here is more bright than the left side. The light is coming from this direction and really adds some cool dimension. You've got brightness, you've got darkness, and having some of those areas of contrast can really help. And here's a tip while we're here. Finding some old piece of rustic wood. Um, this is actually an old door that was to a cabin or something we laid down on the ground. Um, can become your little studio where you can take pictures. It's kind of cool. Again, that's another example of lighting coming from the side. So the whole point of, of, of doing this, and I'll do a real live example here in a minute, um, is to direct the attention of the viewer to your subject. The subject generally should be the brightest object in the photo. Uh, you can see, and this one is an example, um, you actually don't even see much of the background, and that's not necessarily what you always want to do either, but you want the subject to be the brightest thing because your eye goes to bright things first. You want there to be contrast. You want to have not only a bright subject, but a darker background. And don't let the background steal the show. Okay, so back to my little chart here. There's a reason that I mentioned that the sun was like just coming up over the horizon in the morning. There's this thing called golden hour. Have you heard of golden hour before? It's the hour right after or around sunrise and right before or around sunset, where the sun is, is low. That's really 
the golden opportunity to take photos. So much so that if the sun is overhead in the middle of the day, I really almost never take photos because they just don't look good. If, I, if anybody wants me to take photos of like their family or their kids or anything, it's always scheduled for golden hour if it can be. And that's going to be best for your flowers too. And if you can't, if you want to take pictures outside of those times, it's good to seek out some shade where you can let the sun kind of come in through the shade, but you have your flowers in the shade, of course. Um, if you have a little, you know, a barn or a shed or a house, try putting your flowers close to the window or open a door and let that be your light source. That's what we did here in this picture. Um, and the window is creating the light for this, uh, this flower. So here's your principles. Take advantage of golden hour. Shoot between roughly 45 degrees and 180 degrees from your light source. Bright subject, dark backgrounds. And what we're getting to next is looking at doing some slight improvements and enhancements in editing. Um, because you can do a little bit. Some is possible, but you can't just make a terrible photo into a good one. So here's a little bit about editing your photos. And we'll try to keep this fairly basic. There's pretty much the industry piece of software that everybody uses to edit photos. And I would probably encourage for you too, if you're going to have a, if you're going to invest in a camera and go with one of those intermediate or advanced setups, um, look into Adobe Lightroom. That's pretty much the industry standard. And unfortunately, you can't just outright buy it anymore. It's a subscription-based software. It's $10 a month. Um, which is nice if you're just getting started out. You know, you don't have to put too much investment up front. If you have a Mac, the built-in Apple Photos program actually has a lot of capabilities. It's becoming much, much better. So I would try using that too. So here's the basic principles I'm going to show you here in a demo in a second. When it comes to editing, you want to make sure you correct for white balance. You want the things that are supposed to be white to really be white and not be blue and not be yellow. You want to make sure you correct for exposure. You don't want your picture to be too bright or not bright enough. If you can, you can maybe reduce some visual distractions. And it's all for that same point of drawing your eye to the subject of the photo. So let's do a demo. And for this, if I could get some help in closing these blinds and these if possible, just because I want you to be able to see the screen as well as possible because it's kind of some minute details that you're looking at here. Thank you guys so much. And maybe you could flip the lights out there too on the wall just so we can do those ones. And I think there's one more switch by the door just so you have the best opportunity to see this as possible. So this is, this is Lightroom. So you can kind of have a, have a little sense for what we're working with here. And I will apologize. I'm just looking at the screen. It's, it looks more red here than it does here. So just know that I am making it look good if it doesn't look good here. So this photo, right off the bat, it's a nice photo, but these don't look perfectly white to me. So in this program and in many others, you'll probably have a tool to change your white balance. And, and oftentimes, they'll have a little eyedropper like this. You can click that and go click on some place in the photo that really is supposed to be white. You click it and look at there. 
you've got a, a photo that instantly looks a lot better. So now you've got your whites correct. So that, that was the main problem with this photo. And you don't want it to be so bright. Let me show you one that's too bright. That's getting too bright. You see how the whites up in the flowers, they're starting to just, just go all to a plain white. You're, you're losing detail. You don't want to lose detail. And if you have a program that you can see these guides up here, this is called a histogram. It can be complex, but just to say you don't want it to be bumped up against one wall or bumped up against the other. You can see if I took this photo too bright, you see how it's bumped up against the right side? That's no good. And if it's down here, it's bumped up against that side. That's no good. You want it to be, you know, somewhere there in the middle. So that's the main kind of thing. I don't think I'll go too much more into doing anything else here. That's just showing you white balance. Let's go to the next photo. That's a little bit more edited version of the same thing. Here's the next photo. This one, look at the histogram up here. It's leaning a little bit too much to the left. And it just it feels a little dark. So I think that this one should be lightened up a little bit more. And once I know that it needs to be lightened up, I stop looking there and I look over here. I don't want to lose any detail. So if I keep going, at this point you can see like you're just losing detail and it's not looking good. So I don't know, somewhere around there. Some other basic things, you might try adding a little bit of contrast just to kind of make the brights brighter and the darks darker. Um, some programs have this thing called clarity and, and it can definitely be overboard. That's way too much. but add a little bit of something like that and, and just kind of go with whatever you think looks good. You want it to have nice contrast, maybe add a little bit of color if you want to just enhance it. And something that's nice with flowers down here at the bottom for me is a vignette. And it's just to show you the extreme, that's a vignette. You don't want to go that extreme ever. There, just go down a little bit like that. It just, it's subtle. It help, kind of brings the eye, brings the attention to the flowers. Oh, there's the one I edited earlier, practically the same. Okay, so this, this picture has two issues to me right away. One, the whites don't look white. And two, this, this bright area up here in the green is just as bright, if not some places brighter than some of the flowers. And so my eye is actually drawn up there just because, let me show you the edited picture. And let me just kind of flip back and forth. You can see now, here's the brightest area of the picture up here. But after a little bit of editing and tweaking, now the attention is just right here. And so again, the basic thing you do, take an eyedropper, get the whites looking right. Boom, so much better. And some programs you have, like Lightroom, you have some of these things, you have these things called graduated filters. Big word. Basically, it just means you can make certain areas of your image darker. So now I'm just darkening that area of the image and all of a sudden the focus is right back to the flowers. So you can see the before and the after. And it really just makes a big difference even doing some very simple and basic things. Uh, we looked at that one, we cropped that one in. On my screen, it's not blown out like that, but that looks a little blown out on the, on the projector. So that's, that's a little bit of what to do on the computer. Now I wanna show you some of those same principles and how you can apply them um, if you're dealing with the phone setup. What can you do on your phone? So here's my phone here. And there's several apps you can use. I'll tell you, I'll show you a list of them in just a second. I'll show you a list right now, actually. 
So here's some recommended apps for your smartphone. Um, I'm thinking most of these are available for Android and for iPhone. Snapseed is one that a lot of people use. I, I read about a lot. I don't use it personally, but I think it's a really good option. The second one is pronounced Visco and Adobe Lightroom. Lightroom is, if you know how to use it on the computer, it's the same thing on your phone, but it's a little bit complex. You can get another app called Lens Distortions for some special effects like sun flares and a little bit more advanced things. And Instagram, and that's what I'm going to show you now, even just in the basic built-in Instagram app, you've got some filters and settings that can really make a difference. So it's demo time again. Let's go over back to the phone. We're going to pull up Instagram. And I've already got these two photos here that we edited before. So let's think about this. You've got this photo you've taken. You want to post it on Instagram. Um, as you may or may not know, Instagram pretty much deals with square photos. And so I can hit this button over here on the bottom left and choose to make it like that, but that's just going to make it smaller. You want to make it as big as possible. So in general, unless there's a real reason not to, go ahead and make it square. Make it as big as it possibly can be. And, you know, we've got this rule of thirds. We want the, de the, the, the focus to be in kind of one of these areas where the crosshairs meet. And it's, it's pretty much there, but it feels a little empty on the left. So I'm going to move it over like that. I think that looks better. So let's go ahead and hit next. And you've got a bunch of options for some filters that can very quickly and easily give you some nice looking effects. But I'm going to focus on the edit button down here at the bottom. If you hit edit, again, we've got the same picture. The problem is the whites aren't looking very white. Well, there's a setting here for warmth. That's going way too far. That's way warm. But if you pull it back this way, there you go. The whites are looking better now. And you might want to add some contrast and make the darks a little bit darker. Um, play around, just see what looks good. That, uh, I like that. It's looking cool. And you can even add a vignette here at the, at the end and kind of darken the edges. And there you've got a, a before and an after. Just right there on your phone and Instagram, you can do some pretty significant improvements to a picture. And just because we did this other one, let me discard it. Here's a dark one, for example. And even in Instagram, you can go to this brightness filter and just brighten it up and get it to that place where you would have done it on the computer. Maybe it's a little warm, cool it down. So you've got a lot of power that you can do even on your phone, which is, which is really convenient because it wasn't like that not long ago. Okay, we can flip the lights back on. Thank you for making it dark for us. Um, while we're still in this demo time, you know, maybe turn the lights off one more time. I apologize. I'm going to pull out my camera here and find my app. See if I can get this technology to work. I'm going to try to show you what my camera is seeing on the projector. Okay, there we go. Let me turn it this way. So I'm just going to take an example photo with you of these flowers over here. So I'm going to step over here to where these flowers are, but you can see what I'm doing here on the screen. Maybe, sweetie, you can hold the mic for me. So this is actually kind of a cool environment 
because you know we've got some it's it's kind of dark and we can really control where the lighting is going to be coming from. So we're going to open this window. This is your shop now. You've got a door open and you're you're uh, ready to take some pictures. So is it up there on the screen? It's stuck over there. Oh, you know, my phone turned off. Okay. So, just for sake of a non-example, why is that grid up there? <laughs> Let me get rid of that. That's kind of blocking the view. There we go. So, if I get in between the light and the flowers... Not that it doesn't look bad, but it's just a little bit flat. There's the, you can't really see the depth of the flowers, but let me turn this way. We're going to put the window at a 90 degree angle or a little bit more. And now you've got some dark areas of the picture over to the left. And let me try going 180 degrees. And now you've got, see if I can focus it here. You've got those flowers just kind of glowing there with a dark background, and that's looking a whole lot better than, than uh, standing in between the window and the flowers. So just, just moving yourself can really make a big difference in how your pictures look. Thank you, sweets. Okay, now I think we're really ready for the lights to go back on. Sorry about that. All right, in the last section that we're going to look at today is about sharing your photos. And Kirsten went into this a little bit in her presentation. Um, some tips about spreading the beauty around, sharing them with the world. So there's so many options out there in terms of social media, in terms of just internet communications that you could choose to share your photos. But if I was gonna pick one of them, I think there's a clear winner. And to me, that's Instagram. And the second runner-up would be Facebook. And regardless of how you may feel about those platforms and being on it personally, I think there's a lot more of a reason to consider being on there for your business. If you keep it just for business, um, it's really where your clientele is. And so to show it in front of your clientele, this is just really ideal. So here's why, why Instagram. Instagram is a social media platform that's 100% photo-based. No resharing links, no funny cat videos. It's all just photos and generally your own photos. Flowers fit perfectly into the Instagram community. Instagram is all about, you know, beautiful pictures, cool pictures, and flowers are just right there in the category. I was going to share this later, but I've heard several photo contest rules. They say, you know, if you want to submit your photo, you know, this and this and this and this, but you can't submit photos of sunsets and flowers because they're too easy to take beautiful pictures of because they're beautiful already. So you're, you've already got a head start and you've got something beautiful to take photos of and it fits really well into the Instagram community. It's a platform that not only your customers are on, but your florists who also could become your customers. Florists are out there looking at other people's Instagram accounts, looking to find beautiful flowers and you've gotten several communications that had been just from Instagram, florists who somehow found her and was like, hey, I want to get some of your flowers. 
It has great built-in editing features. As Kirsten mentioned, the hashtagging system, which gets you discovered by other people. And it even integrates with Facebook. So you can just, in one swipe, post to both places at once and get back to your life without having to do extra. So hopefully this has been an encouragement to capture and share the beauty around you. You can take beautiful pictures. And um, it's everything that we've talked about today, every slide is a, is a whole world that could be talked about for hours and hours in and of itself. And there's a lot of resources out there, free resources, blogs, YouTube. There's a lot of ways to learn more about any of these particular areas that you might be interested in. Um, so hopefully this has been helpful for you to get, your, get off the ground a little bit and to see where you can go in photography. And happy picture taking. Are there any questions that anybody has about anything that we talked about today? Yes. Yes. I'll make a link and we'll I'll put it up at the end of the next session. Yeah, I can do that for sure. Any other questions? The other way to create depth would be putting things um, not just all in the same plane, the same distance from you, putting some stuff in the foreground, putting some stuff in the background. And I think you can create depth with, with light, too, having some things darker, some things lighter. Um, but to me, the greatest sense of creating depth is, is going to be in getting some separation. Yeah. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.